Section twenty seven of Not That It Matters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. Not That It Matters by A. A. Milne. Signs of Character. Wellington is said to have chosen his officers by their noses and chins. The standard for them in noses must have been rather high to judge by the portraits of the Duke, but no doubt he made allowances. Anyhow, by this method he got the men he wanted. Some people, however, may think that he would have done better to have let the mouth be the deciding test. The lines of one's nose are more or less arranged for one at birth. A baby, born with a snub nose, would feel it hard that the decision that he would be no use to Wellington should be come to so early, and even if he arrived in the world with a Roman nose he might smash it up in childhood, and with it his chances of military fame. This, I think, you will agree with me, would be unfair. Now the mouth is much more likely to be a true index of character. A man may clench his teeth firmly, or smile disdainfully, or sneer, or do a hundred things which will be reflected in his mouth rather than in his nose or chin. It is through the mouth and eyes that all emotions are expressed, and in the mouth and eyes, therefore, that one would expect the marks of such emotions to be left. I did read once of a man whose nose quivered with rage, but it is not usual. I never heard of anyone whose chin did anything. It would be absurd to expect it to. But there arises now the objection that a man may conceal his mouth, and by that his character, with a moustache. There arises, too, the objection that a person whom you thought was a fool because he always went about with his mouth open may only have had a bad cold in the head. In fact, the difficulties of telling anyone's character by his face seem more insuperable every moment. How then are we to tell whether we may safely trust a man with our daughter, or our favourite golf club, or whatever we hold most dear? Fortunately, a benefactor has stepped in at the right moment with an article on the cigar manner. Our gentleman has made the discovery that you can tell a man's nature by the way he handles his cigar, and he gives a dozen illustrations to explain his theory. True, this leaves out of account the men who don't smoke cigars, although, of course, you might sum them all up with a certain amount of justification as foolish. But you do get, I am assured, a very important index to the characters of smokers which is as much as to say of the people who really count. I am not going to reveal all the clues to you now, partly because I might be infringing the copyright of another, partly because I have forgotten them. But the idea roughly is that if a man holds his cigar between his finger and thumb, he is courageous and kind to animals, or whatever it may be. And if he holds it between his first and second fingers, he is impulsive, but yet considerate to old ladies. And if he holds it upside down, he is, besides being an ass, jealous and self-assertive. And if he sticks a knife into the stump so as to smoke it to the very end, he is, yes, you have guessed this one, he is mean. 
You see what a useful thing a cigar may be. I think now I am sorry that this theory has been given to the world. Yes, I blame myself for giving it further publicity. In the old days when we bought, or better, had presented to us a cigar, a doubt as to whether it was a good one was all that troubled us. We bit one end and lit the other, and, the doubt having been solved, proceeded tranquilly to enjoy ourselves. But all this will be changed now. We shall be horribly self-conscious. When we take our cigars from our mouths, we shall feel our neighbours' eyes rooted upon our hands, the while we try to remember which of all the possible manipulations is the one which represents virtue at its highest power. Speaking for myself, I hold my cigar in a dozen different ways during an evening, though never, of course, on the end of a knife, and I tremble to think of the diabolically composite nature which the modern Wellingtons of the table must attribute to me. In future I see that I must concentrate on one method, if only I could remember the one which shows me at my best. But the tobacco test is not the only one. We may be told by the way we close our hands. The tilt of a walking-stick may unmask us. It is useless to model ourselves now on the strong, silent man of the novel whose face is a shutter to hide his emotions. This is a pity. Yes, I am convinced now that it is a pity. If my secret fault is check-forging, I do not want it to be revealed to the world by the angle of my hat. Still less do I wish to discover it in a friend whom I like, or whom I can beat at billiards. How dull the world would be if we knew every acquaintance inside out as soon as we had offered him our cigar case. Suppose, I put an extreme case to you, suppose a pleasant young bachelor who admired our bowling showed himself by his shoelaces to be a secret wife-beater. What could we do? Cut so unique a friend? Ah, oh, no. Let us pray to remain in ignorance of the faults of those we like. Let us pray it as sincerely as we pray that they shall remain in ignorance of ours. End of Signs of Character